Hey, y'all. Thanks for joining us for another episode of 911 Delta, Tethered for Life. This podcast may not be suitable to all listeners due to language and subject matters. Please listen with care. Hey, y'all. Welcome to another episode of 911 Delta, Tethered for Life. This week, it's just your hosts, Anna and Casey. And we're recording a little bit early because Casey is going on vacation. So tell us about your week, Case. Where are you going? Uh, Well, we're going to be heading to the Bahamas on a carnival cruise for seven days. So I'm super excited. Nice. Are you ready? Uh, 80% ready right now. Okay. Yeah, almost finished packing. Mentally, I've been ready, but <laughs> <laughs> we haven't been on vacation since 2012, if that tells you. Oh, anything. my gosh. So it's been a long time and first vacation without kids. So it's going to be cheaper and different. <laughs> yeah, I, so. want, I want TikTok videos of you dancing on the pool deck, man. Girl, don't tell me because I will. <laughs> <laughs> I will in a minute. Yes. Um, I'll have to record Lucas and his two left feet with his dancing. You'll get a kick out of that for sure. Yes, indeed. <laughs> so, all right. So we're going to. Um, I'll recap a little bit of last week's episode. We had um, Brandon, who was firefighter medic. He talked a little bit about transitioning from working as a dispatcher to working back in the field um, as a career firefighter medic. Um, we talked about the ups and downs and the do's and the don'ts. Um, so we'd like to thank Brandon for taking this, the time out to come join us and thank him for his service. And we also touched a little bit on the stress as a dispatcher versus the field working out in the field, which brings us to tonight's episode about stressors of being a dispatcher and ways we cope. Yeah, because public safety, whether you're dispatcher, EMS, fire, law enforcement officer, they're all 24 seven positions, meaning that there's always someone there to answer that phone call or someone there to respond to every call for service. So all of these positions ride on a constant high level of adrenaline. We talked about that a little bit with M. I think that was episode three. Yes. And it can really be a constant roller coaster of emotions too. So after the podcast with Emily, we asked how many of you are feeling burnt out and what size PSAPs do you work in? And 75% of the listeners are feeling burnt out. 66% work in a medium-sized PSAP. Um, and I was wondering, does that, do people think working in a smaller PSAP is more stressful or working in a bigger PSAP. Like we'd have to have maybe Mikey back on to ask what he thinks. Yeah. Cause he's would be a great one. He's <laughs> worked in all three different <laughs> types, right. mom, big and medium. So that would be awesome because a big one could be, you know, high call volume and that could be stressful, but then there's also a lot of people 
So there mm-hmm. may be more opportunities for downtime, taking a break, right? doing that. You know, in yeah. a really small piece app, you could be the only person. That would probably suck. That would totally suck if you're doing 911 dispatching and everything in between. So a medium size may be the most stressful environment because you're kind of doing everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. So as dispatchers, um, we have to wear many, many hats um, because every call, whether it's emergency or non-emergency, um, it's different. They're all different, whether it's the same you have a chest pain back to back, it's still going to be different. Um, So we're call takers, we're dispatchers. um, We act as teachers, counselors. Some people think we're lawyers, which we are not. Um, We're the middleman, we're the bad guys, we're the heroes. I mean, it's just a ton of different things. Yes. And it could be all of those things in like 30 minutes or less. Mm-hmm. Right? <laughs> or even in the same call <laughs> that's just... true sometimes in the same call you know everybody talks about the critical incidents I guess what people now kind of would call big T traumas right mm-hmm. uh, either high casualty or children involved you're on the line with a caller for their last breath I mean Whatever, you know, those are the kind of things that people consider, I think, like big T traumas. But then you could be dealing with just an irate caller who's calling you everything but a nice person for helping Mm -hmm. them. And you could be dealing with, you know, a death that's an expected death, maybe, but that's still traumatic for the person that's calling. Yep. And so there's a wide range of emotions to go through. And then, of course, you're trying not to take on your caller's emotions as you're going through and doing what you need to do. Right. And then, of course, you may be stressed out because you're working long hours and you have mandatory overtime and you're not getting a break and you just got to pee. And (laughs) that doesn't always happen. No, it doesn't always happen. Um, So it can be. It can be a really challenging, challenging job mentally, and I thought it was interesting The way that Brandon put it with, you know, being in the field is different because you kind of deal with one call and then you, for the most part, get to go away, put that away, go do something, move around, Mm -hmm. do something different. Yes, that was a good Um, way to put it. Right. And then when you're in dispatch, you don't always have that luxury. You could just be 12 hours of you know, back to back, whatever. Yep. And that's about 95% of the time. That's what it is. I mean, you really, you don't get a lunch break. You hardly get to get up to go to the bathroom. I mean, especially if there's emergencies and things going on, you can't just get up. (laughs) So. Yeah. And I think, you know, I don't, I don't know about you. Everybody's different, but I'm not someone who, 
holds on to calls, like especially maybe what people would consider big T type calls. Like I feel like that is what I'm there for Mm -hmm. and to handle those real emergencies. And once they're done, they're done. I'm not really a person who worries about what the outcome is. You know, once somebody's in the ambulance or whatever, they're there and I'm not really worried about it after that generally, but I I learned this new term listening to actually was a Tony Robbins podcast, uh, listening to that and talking (laughs) about like emotional stacking, right? Like, and so that's what I will like those irate people, those people who are just not nice, who are shitty Mm -hmm. to us, to the law enforcement officers complaining about fire rescue, whatever, like those calls, man, I will stack those in my body. And then I'm like really pissed off, you know? Yep. I'm the same way. Yes. And I'm more pissed off when people are getting after the units on the street than me. Like if they're Mm -hmm. cussing at me, I can, I usually just sort of let them roll with it until they're done. And then, okay. You know, (laughs) then we have Um, the oops. (laughs) Oh, right, right. I mean, it's frustrating if you're actually trying to help them. Like if they've they've got, you know, a, an emergency that they need help with, you CPR or something like that, and you can't get them to be cooperative because they're just busy, you know, screaming at you. Yeah. But, but if it's just somebody who's calling to s- scream about something, um, then that's fine. But I, yeah. So I, and it took me a long time. Like I just kind of realized that about myself in the last few years and I know everybody's not the same I know some people you know those those sort of big t type of calls do affect them but Mm -hmm. I think most of our public safety centers or or PSAPs whatever you work for is they're so geared towards that critical incident stress management mm-hmm. which is like two percent of what you need yeah I agree with that and yes we all get into these fields whether you're working at you know on the trucks or ambulances or if you're sitting in dispatch center yes we all know that we took the job and yes we're going to deal with this and that but like we had said before we are still human we're not you know a bunch of robots even though it feels like that sometimes but you know we do have emotions we do I mean we're normal people too for well halfway damn normal (laughs) for the most part (laughs) but I mean and that's another thing too that we had talked about you you either get it or you don't as a dispatcher like there's no really in between um in my opinion like you're either going to be able to do it or are you just not so right and I, that that kills me. And I hear people say that about public safety and military people all the time. Well, they knew what they were getting into. And I'm like, no, <laughs> nobody knew what they were getting into until like six months into it. Right. <laughs> right? Like you have no idea when you start because nobody tells you. Nope. You know, um, it's kind of like having kids. Why don't people tell you this shit? I don't know, but they don't. <laughs> People are human. 
not only do we have to deal with the stress of everybody else, every 911 or even non-emergency caller, because sometimes Mm -hmm. they're no fun either. Definitely not. But we also have regular stress like anybody else. Mm-hmm. We still have to pay bills. We still have kids that get sick. We still have, you know, marriages. We still, you know, the whole thing, relationships, whatever. We still have all of those things to deal yep. with. Yeah. On top of everybody else's shit. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, yeah. So how do you, what do you think, Casey, what do you think your biggest stressor on the job was like what would you say was it like the like I know you work some pretty pretty traumatic calls with mm-hmm. officer involved incidents and things like that like do you think those things stick with you more um, than the irate people or what do you think well when I first started I would say yes that that would um because you know you do become a family and, you know, close with these uh, guys and gals out on the road and stuff. Um, so, you know, when you know your family members being attacked or hurt or whatever, yeah, I mean, that's super stressful. Um, I never really paid much attention to the people that were like really irate. However, as my later years towards the end, it was kind of like flip flopped. <laughs> like, <laughs> I got to the, I don't know if it's just older age. I don't know. Like I said before, where I just don't give a fuck anymore. Um, So it was kind of hard to hold back, like run in my mouth because I'm really quick to do that nowadays. So that became a little tricky, but um, I'd have to watch my tone and that kind of thing. Right. I think, I mean, I think, yes, as we as we get older and we start to not give a fuck what people think, um, we do just have a lower tolerance. But I also think that's a factor of burnout yep. because you're it's the same thing. Like we t- I know I told this story in the podcast with Emily about um, the other the other horseman's podcast that I listened to. And he talks about the 13 rabbits theory. Mm-hmm. Like you fucking hit your 13 rabbits, <laughs> you know, and you're done. Like yeah. sometimes that happens in the first five minutes. Yep. You know, you're like, okay, I'm done with you people already. Um, yep. So that is, that's tricky. So how do you, how do you cope with that? Well, when I first started, I um, eating was a huge, huge thing for me. Like that was my number one way to cope. Um, and then I just started shutting everything out, including family, whatever. I would literally stay in my room after I was off or on my days off, would just stay in my room. I didn't go anywhere. I didn't really come out of my room only to get something to eat or cook dinner or whatever. And I was right back in my room. Um, and that's, you know, when you really start, well, you don't really know at that point until later on. And once I knew that that was going on, I was like, oh shit, you need to do something. So I started, um, crafting and became more motivated with the farm. Like after we moved here, um, with the animals and stuff. And that has really been a lifesaver for me. And then of course (laughs) I quit. (laughs) (laughs) 
and now, what am I to do? <laughs> and now I um where I am now, it's I'm not didn't steer too far out of the the lane. Um right. I work with a great group of folks now and absolutely love going to work. So um yeah, what about you? Um yeah, I mean I would say that my my go-to coping mechanism would be to isolate myself. And then also I get, I get angry. It's an internal thing. Like I'm just like, everything is too much trouble. Everything is a pain in the ass. Noticing it after, probably after my second child was born and I went back to work and I started working more hours and that was like 2020. So it was like COVID and all Mm. the policing protests and all of that. And I was just like, Whoa, I have to take like four steps back from this because when you're there and you're feeding off the energy of everyone else, who's also pissed off. Yeah. Um, it was, it was really hard. And that's when I, that was when I think I really started looking into, you know, psychology and mental health has always interested me. And then particularly after my first marriage, I got interested in it for military and public safety. Mm-hmm. And then I really started looking into it for myself, you know, like what, what is happening here? Then I learned the animals are great. One of the things that I I think animals, I think being out in nature is so helpful for me. I've always ridden horses. I've ridden horses since I was eight years old. I did not ride nearly as much as I'm used to after my kids were born. And when I started to ride more again, I realized how much of that helps me. Like that's something in that is is like a somatic experience for me. And it, it helps me, you know, somatic exercising is becoming a a thing, a popular thing for people to do. Um, But riding, and I'm sure if, I don't know if there's any research on it, but I'm sure for some people that that is a thing. Cause I know people who are like, I just feel better when I'm riding, you know, other people, it's like, I can go out and hang with my horse and, you know, or like you have the farm animals and, you know, you can just go hang out with them and, and you feel better about yourself. And I didn't feel like that was, that helped me as much as actually doing the physical act of um, riding my horses. And maybe that's because I've always been sort of movement oriented and I've always been athletic. Um, So it move. I would say, maybe it's the movement more than actually riding the horse. So um, I know that's one of the things I always tell you and like the dispatcher stress classes, Oh, get your exercise, do your, and it's like, Oh, fuck yeah, that. Right. Like, <laughs> that right, right. When I'm exhausted, I am not going to the gym, but yeah, no. um, getting out and, you know, walking in nature, I think uh, is very helpful. Even if you sit for half of your walk, at least you're, you're getting away from the technology and the phones and the noise yeah. and the yeah, constant. I love it. Living in the country is great. What are some other ways you think about 
like coping while you're on the job? Because I think that is really hard for dispatchers. Like, like Brandon said, you know, it's hard when you feel like you're stuck in that seat for 12 hours. Mm-hmm. I mean, they, the center had, we had discussed with M, I think it was with the episode with M that you could, they made this little room for us. Um, but you really couldn't utilize it. I mean, maybe night shift folks could utilize it here and there, but um, day shift, there's absolutely no way that they would be able to do it. Um, and then they've had those like bikes that, in the, that they brought up and that you could sit at your console and do that. The well, treadmill. The do that. Like, fuck no, I'm out of breath anyways. Like my, my big ass, I can't be doing that. <laughs> like, I always no. thought, I, I never, I never used either of them, but I always thought I would probably kill myself, like trying yes. to walk on that damn treadmill. Right. And then they're not going to give you no damn workman's comp and be like, yeah, sorry, you got to come in anyway. Like, <laughs> right. So, yeah. yeah. No. Um, And I mean, folks read, um, but I mean, I'm just, I'm not a reader. I know when we work nights and we had like, you know, everybody could have their workout time if they wanted it. I thought that was very helpful. I mean, of course we had a gym in the building, so right, easy to do. I do think that eating and drinking like that's a yep. stress reliever in itself for the body. Like that's another somatic processing thing that is, mm-hmm. um, and that's why people do it. But I think, I think moving around would be so beneficial. It's just that it needs to be encouraged, encouraged in the sense of like, go take a walk around the building and come back, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Or something like that. Cause I do think that that is helpful just to get away for a couple minutes and come back to it. Yeah. And people need to have the, the confidence to set a boundary and be like, nope, I need to get up. Yep. And not feel guilty. Yeah. There's certainly like little desktop exercises online and things like that, that you could do. And then I think animals too, you know, um, our office partners with a local place that trains service dogs for veterans Yes. And so they come in and do some of their training sometimes um, in dispatch or around the office, which is awesome because uh, they're dogs, you know, so it's it, that's great. Who does but I think dogs? encouraging people to do stuff like that would be really helpful. And a lot of places don't have those opportunities. I also think that um interacting like Brandon talked about interacting with the people in the field the law enforcement officers the firefighters mm-hmm. the medics whatever like even it's great when they come up into dispatch because it breaks up the monotony of the whole situation right but just to call on the phone and be like hey what's happening up there I think things like that are helpful just that connection between people is helpful do you remember um the original d shift Yes. You know, when we um, all worked together, we would yeah. have the Ibu out. Oh, yes, Ibu. Yeah. Remember that? And we would dance and sing. That was a lot of fun. Yes, that was fantastic. Yes. Um, but not, of course, every shift is like this. <laughs> right. 
Right. Right. So, um, but yeah, that was another good way to relieve stress for us. Yeah, it was. And again, I feel like, I feel like that's something that's hard to do on day shift. Oh yeah. Even if it's not busy, especially during the week, because you never know who's going to come in there. Yeah. Whereas like at night or on the weekend, you know, nobody's coming in there. So. Yeah. So, I mean, if the stress isn't controlled and unfortunately it could, you know, create the emotional distress, um, possible substance abuse, suicide, unfortunately, that's become a huge thing for public safety folks. And it's really sad that they feel that's the only way out. Um, And then, like we've already said, burnout. Burnout. And then, you know, that emotional distress then also turns into diseases. That's unfortunately what happens. And a lot of times I feel like people aren't correlating, you know, those things. It's just like, well, this is happening to me now. And sometimes it's like, that's directly related to your your mental health you know like mm, right when your body starts to tell you those things you need to go oh maybe it's not just a physical problem maybe there's right. something else going on yeah yeah and to not think that it's you know something wrong with you or that people are going to think this way or that way like who gives a fuck like Right. And I think really, you know, learning about this stuff on your own and learning about the physiological processes of stress and how it affects you, how it affects your body, how you personally react to it. You know, are you a person that is very, you get very involved in the emotions of the callers or or the situation or are you more a person like me who gets you know more upset with the 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 bullshit yeah you know um so i think knowing those things about yourself and just acknowledging them and being like oh that's what's happening right now and it's totally normal there's a, a very good book. It's very, and I think I talked about this um, in the episode with Emily. It's and it's very, there's a lot of information. It's very difficult, um, but it's great to learn about the physiological processes. And it's called Why Zebras Don't Get Ulcers. And basically, zebras, mammals, humans, like we're designed to have stressful events, Right. Mm-hmm. And like really high, and then to come back to a state of normalcy or you know stasis. But a lot of us are already working sort of in a high stress lifestyle anyway, and not getting enough sleep and not having enough downtime, not getting enough rest. Do it, you know, and then we add the dispatching on top of it. Mm -hmm. And so our bodies are never really letting down, you know, and that that's a huge problem. And I think we don't I know that 
dispatcher education is not such that they address that. They don't tell you. They sometimes tell you, oh, like, if you feel stressed or you think you're having some post-traumatic stress, you know, you have nightmares or flashbacks or I don't know, some other bullshit, you know, (laughs) you want to drink a lot, you know, then, you know, maybe you should look at getting help or you should get some exercise. At that point, yeah, you do need help, but you somebody could have helped you way before way earlier in the process you know yeah if you're an emotional type person where you think you're just gonna not be able to shake all of these traumatic calls I mean then you probably really need to think again about (laughs) your career choice well true and I also think that you know having someone that you can talk to you know, if it's not a spouse or a friend or, you know, then a therapist or, you know, somebody that you can tell all your bullshit to and and they can help you work through it. That's very, very helpful. Trying to go it alone. I, I'm not saying that it's not doable, but it's just harder. Yeah. And you really need to educate yourself and do the research because your organization or, you know, your, your jurisdiction is not going to do it for you. If you do feel like you need help and you do feel like your problems stem from stress on the job stress, when you talk to your supervisors about that, you need to say, The stress from this job has caused X, Y, Z. Don't say I'm getting divorced (laughs) and, and, you know, I'm stressed out from my job because human resources is going to say, well, the divorce is your primary stressor, not your job. Mm -hmm. Right. Right. You you have to know how to how to talk about things when you want to go. Um have those conversations so being educated on the physiological processes of stress what happens to your body how you can handle it and then being well versed in your counties or jurisdiction whatever whoever you work for um, in their human resources how that process works really important because they're not going to give you more than one chance yeah, right. Yeah. Right. So if you want to reach out to your job and say, hey, I'm having this problem, you need to do it the right way. And I would love to hear what other centers do. So, I mean, if y'all are listening and y'all, your center does a specific thing, reference or any type of classes that maybe is mandatory or that they give you, that would be pretty cool to hear what some folks offer to their dispatchers yeah that would be that would be awesome like classes any stress relief things that they do yeah, you know, I would the like other, to hear the other thing that we used to do um, on our original shift was um, do out of work activities yes um, and they weren't mandatory but everybody who got along and you know was whatever. And I mean, our shift was pretty lucky in that 
we we did. And so we really enjoyed those. And I'm not saying that works for everybody because right. you know, everybody, sometimes you work with people who you wouldn't necessarily <laughs> go out with. Right. But even we did, we actually did movie night once with um, the patrol shift that we worked with. Mm-hmm. And that was super fun. So yeah, again, that's cool. like reaching out to, you know, the, the, the people in the field. I think those, those things are very, very key to keeping everybody connected because people feel like, you know, when you feel connected to a group like that and you feel like there's other people that are sharing the same issues. Now we're not saying to go out and be no damn holster sniffers and shit. Oh yeah. No. I mean, no. cause that's, <laughs> that's going to be creating more damn stress. No, don't be doing that. Oh God. No, we're we're leaving that whole that whole culture out of it. Yeah. We're not yeah. even if that if that's the culture that you're into, don't do it. You're probably in the wrong place. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, because yes, we're we've been doing this long enough that we are well aware <laughs> of the public safety mm, incest. Yeah. I don't know what you want to call it, but <laughs> oh god it's a hot mess um and that doesn't help it doesn't especially if if people are involved in other relationships it's n- it's not helpful it's not good for anybody um you're fucking up yep say it. and uh um, and and everybody's gonna find out about it so oh yeah everybody already knows like if you think about right it. so that's just more stress that you don't need on top right. of everything else so right but the thing about it and like <clears throat> physiologically you know when you're in a new relationship like that it, it causes um or or something that's a little bit secret or something like that it causes a a feeling that can mask the stress and that is why it's a common thing um, that happens in people who are suffering from post-traumatic stress. So <laughs> that is that is a thing. It is a thing. Um, so if you find yourself wanting to be in that category, <laughs> go to the fucking gym. Okay. <laughs> right. I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> oh, um, eat some cake. Eat a sandwich. Like we used to always tell Daisy, eat a sandwich, girl. Eat a sandwich, just not Chinese. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, boob. Oh goodness. goodness. <laughs> or a pint of ice cream. A pint. A pint. Yes. Yeah. Um, well, I think we've covered quite a bit. Um hopefully yeah. somebody can relate out there. Hopefully they can. And reach out to us guys and let us know. Because we really want to hear, like, what are your coping strategies? Is there anything cool that your center does for you um, that you think other people should be aware of? Any programs out there that you think people should have that are super helpful? Um, I think we should do a giant shout out to Boob because she was the bringer of the Ibu and she also the daisy dictionary which was a stress reliever for everyone every night <laughs> yes. with her words making her own her, shit her up. Pit of ice cream and the yes. prius yep and a toyota prius but it was a toyota prius mm-hmm. yeah 
Yeah. I need to drag that little book out. I still have it. You should. We could do a whole episode on. <laughs> we so could. On the Daisy Dictionary. <laughs> and make her be a guest. Yes. Um, I don't really have any personal shout outs um, myself this time, but um, I'll shout out to all of our listeners. Um, thanks for listening again. Yes, you're and, amazing. And uh, next week's episode, you think we should uh, talk about some culture diversity? <laughs> yes. Uh, <laughs> yes. Yes. Cultural diversity. I've taught that class before. Oh, my God. Language barriers. Oh, I got some things to chit-chat about that. Hmm. Yes. Yes. You Lots of things. Yeah. Casey um, is a fluent Spanish speaker, for those of you who don't know. <laughs> it gets my blood boiling just thinking we, about We it. have more than once put her on the phone with somebody and we'll hear her start speaking Spanish. And then the next thing, it's like <laughs> this hot tone in English. <laughs> and you're like, uh-oh. Yep. Yep. Because she gets off the phone and she says, they spoke English. They were just trying to pretend like you know they didn't yeah they can't fool me i know what the fuck they up to uh-uh. <laughs> nope it's not working yes and then when you get so. those languages that you don't know and you're like oh uh, <laughs> but everything is spanish <laughs> they can speak right? mandarin and it's fucking spanish <laughs> oh god yep yep <laughs> Casey, can you take this call? Okay. And you're like, what? <laughs> this is not Spanish. I don't know. And how like different languages sound because I remember having a Mandarin um, speaker one time and it was an accidental 911 file. <laughs> and when I got um, the interpreter on the line, it sounded to me like she reamed him a new asshole. <laughs> like I felt so bad for him. Oh, and I'm like, no, no, it's okay. I just need to verify this information. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, so we can talk about that, the fun yeah. of like line and things like that. That is going to be fun. So cool. until I get back on land, guys, y'all be good. Thanks to all of our first responders out there. Keep yes, indeed. Remember, like, share. Follow, subscribe, whatever. Leave us. Please. We're slacking, y'all. Come on. I know. All right. I know it's Christmas time, but get on people. Holiday time. I should say holiday time for our cultural diversity. Yes. Holiday time. Get on your reviews and liking and sharing. And we'll talk to you next time. Until then. Bye. Bye.